Isaiah had prophesied some pretty rough times just prior to this chapter. Seemed like then he needed to come forth and comfort himself and the people some, and certainly as for our benefit today, I thought on the way down here again this morning, second psalm, why do the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing? They're not going to win. And that's certain. Lord has chosen to save a people. And I think sometimes we have a problem when we try to say, well, the Scripture is written for so-and-so-and-so. It's written for the church. Uh, Husbands, love your wives as the Lord loved the church and gave Himself for it. So it's always the church. That's who the Scripture is written to, and that's who the Lord come to save, His church, His body, the one that was given to Him of the Father. In verse 1, He said, O Lord, Thou art my God. Now, that's a pretty strong statement there, isn't it? <clears throat> I will exalt Thee. I will praise Thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things, I counsel of old or faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made a city a heap of a defense city a ruin, a palace of strangers to be no more city. It shall never be built. By the providence of God, all these things have happened. And they continue to happen. And we're told in Matthew, book of Matthew, the 24th chapter, they're going to continue till the end. Matter of fact, they're going to get worse and worse and worse. He says it's going to get worse and ever has been or ever shall be. That's pretty bad. (laughs) When we look about and we, we know the history of things, we understand that yeah, it's going to really be something. And that's what Isaiah, I believe, was trying to do to the people there. And I think all men understand that as we go through this life that there's much turbulence. We always need to be looking up unto the Lord so he might sustain us through these things. Therefore shall us strong people glorify thee. The city of the terrible nation shall fear thee. And that's the end of all things. Really, that's the conclusion of the whole matter. The people will glorify him. Uh, we look, we see that the Lord said that He left Pharaoh in the land as long as He did, that He might show His great power. And that's the end I'm talking about here. 
that therefore shall a people, a strong people, glorify thee. And that's the end of chastisement and suffering and things that happen in this world. The end of it is in the Lord. And they glorify thee and praise thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones as it is a storm against the wall. It's going to really be stormy. I was talking last night about stormy. And that uh, ever since the Garden of Eden, when the Lord drove a man out of the garden, it began to storm. Ever since Adam sinned, it began to storm. And it's continually got worse and worse. They say, Thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place. Even the heat that will shadow of a cloud, the branch of the terrible ones will be brought low. I said a while ago they can't they can't win. And all these things are looking to one end also in Jesus Christ. Isaiah was looking here to the first coming of Jesus Christ. That would be the change of all things. Now as he come to save his people and to teach his people and to comfort them. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things. I look in the meat case nowadays and all old meat in there don't have a bit of fat in it. And I kind of like to have the fatted calf myself. Yeah. Said, and all the people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the leaves well refined. It's the best, best that you can get. And that's what the Lord is going to do for His people. We're going to have a great feast. And it's been coming all along. The Lord, when He gave His Word, it was to feast upon. We uh, thank the Lord for the things we have to eat. And sometimes they're more precious to it than anything else. We get a little hungry. We want something to eat. But I think what he's talking here more about than anything else is feed upon the Lord himself and be filled with him. And it's all going to happen in Zion, the chosen city, the people of the Lord, those people that he has come to save from their sin in Zion. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all the nations. And those things remain until this day. The veil is not taken away 
except to people that love the Lord, that are called according to His purpose. Then the veil is removed, but the veil is still. When we look about us today, the veil is certainly over the people. Uh, we're, we're good testimony of that this morning. We are building this not nearly full. Uh, the whole church is they're getting plenty of them. They're full this morning. I think the Lord's leaving them just like He left Pharaoh too, that He might show His great power in the end. That when He comes and cleans it up. But the veil is still there. We're in the 25th chapter of the book of Isaiah, if you want to turn there. He will swallow up death in victory, the Lord. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off of all faces. And the rebuke of His people shall He take away from off of all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. That's the surety of it that he spoke that. And he shall and it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him. And he will save us. And this is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice. In his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, and Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them as he that swimmeth spreadeth forth his hands to swim. And he shall bring down their pride together with the spoils of their hands in the fortress of the high fort of thy walls shall be bring down, shall he bring down, low, lay low and bring to the ground even to the dust. It'll be a complete work. Won't anything be left untouched. And we might wonder who about the mountain. What is the mountain? The mountain is the Lord's people. It's going to be built up taller and taller and taller. And that's where they come, that's where they got their start, was out of the mount. When fire was up in the mountain, it was totally on smoke, it said, and the earth shook and quaked. And Moses was very afraid in the mount. In the second chapter of Isaiah, <clears throat> In verse 2, And it shall come to pass 
in the last days. By the way, we are in the last days. They begin with the coming of Christ. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. So we see here who he was speaking to. It's all nations. Going to gather together a people out of all nations, out of every tongue. For be a great nation, a mighty nation. And many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways. And we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So that's where he spoke to his people out of Zion. Always out of Zion. What is Zion? It's the church. And that's what he speaks to the people in our day. Out of the church. The church was to carry on the work of bringing the gospel unto the lost people. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. So it was established with the Lord Himself that they would go. That's where the power was given that they might preach the gospel. And once again, all these things that they might redound unto the praise of the God of glory. What glory, what glory. No man ever seen God, but he has seen his glory. And that's what we look for is his glory. This is our God. It's whom we have waited for. And he has come upon his people in the form of the preaching of the gospel. They might deliver them from corruption, save his people from their sin. In Deuteronomy, the 33rd chapter. Deuteronomy, the second given of the law. He just made it clear, really, is what he done. Made it a little clearer. 33rd chapter and verse 1, and said, And this is the blessing, wherefore were Moses the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Sierra unto them, and he shined forth from Mount Paran. 
And he came with 10,000 of his saints. And with his right hand went forth a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. That's the reason the law come forth. That it might establish the righteousness of God. The law was simply a picture of the holiness and righteousness that's in the Lord. The law is perfect. And it's good. You know, in our day, and I, I know the Baptist folk better than anybody else, so I'll accuse them. In, in our day, they have tried to get rid of the law. They say, well, it's no more benefit. We don't need the law anymore. Christ has come. But we need the law worse now than we ever did. We need to look into the perfect law of liberty that we might get liberated. That we might be made clean. That we might follow after those things of righteousness. That's what the law is, the perfect righteousness of God. It establishes His righteousness. They say it to... The law doesn't have any benefit anymore, but the Romans, the 7th chapter, we'll just jot off here a minute. In verse 7, Now I think go back up verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work on our member in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So it brings forth the death of the body. We put it to death every day. If we're people of God, we're always putting it to death. We must decrease. Always be decrease. But now, we're delivered from the law, being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Well, we don't need to keep it anymore in a ceremonial sense. We don't need that type type or shadow anymore. Christ has come. He said, but what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. And we're no different today. Things have not changed in that respect. We find out who we are by the law, by the Word of God. Matter of fact, this also we want to just kind of pin the law up. This is it. We can't narrow it down to any Ten Commandments. Lord's been speaking to us forever. 
and it's the law. He said of nay, had I not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So that's the way we know these things. But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. But I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So hold on. If you will, hold on to the law. It's good. And it is the mirrored image of God Himself. We're always looking at through there. In the book of Galatians also, Third chapter. Uh, verse 22, I guess, but the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise of faith by Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. No liberty in that. Shut up under the law. Which would afterwards, should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith is come, we're not no longer under the schoolmaster, but under faith. By the way, that faith is the faith of Jesus Christ. That's where we stand in His faith, not in ours. little bit of faith we have, it isn't worth much because it, it'll fail you pretty quick. First little thing that happens, your faith will... will fade away. So it must be the faith of Jesus Christ that we rely on rather than the law. We can't keep the law. But Christ came to keep that law to its fullest and gained the right to own a people that the Father has given him. In first oh in second Peter Get my pages come far here. Second Peter, first chapter. <clears throat> 
In verse 17, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise where in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we have the Word. That's what has gone out to all the people. And what the Word said was, this is our God. We waited for Him. And we always, this morning, when we come here, we're waiting on the Lord to hear from Him. So this is our God. He's done all these things. He's tore down and built up and come and gave of Himself unto death. They might secure people and give them liberty. And that liberty we have that comes through the preaching of the gospel is what enables us to worship. Without that liberty, you can't worship. But it must be a liberty in the heart. The heart must be delivered and have liberty to worship. You understand a man outside of Christ cannot Worship God. Uh, I think we've got almost too familiar with God. Uh, Brought Him down (laughs) to our level for the most part. Just too familiar. He's too small. We have made Him that through some of the preaching that has gone on. But he make no mistake about it, he is a God of justice and judgment. And he will bring to fruition all the things that he has promised. In this mountain, that's where it's going to happen. There was a time in the past also when they were worshiping, it said, under, as under every green tree. Just every little pleasant place. And that's the kind of way they do today to tell you quick that they can worship God anywhere. And that's what they were doing of the times of old. They 
fixing up some groves, some nice little spots in nature. Yeah, it's just pretty little groves. And they'd go and get in that and say there's worshiping. And I think that we have come full circle again. That's the kind of way it is. If you can build a nice, pretty little building and convince the people that they're good, just get rid of the law. We don't need it anymore. It's old. It's done away with. Not so. You hold on to it. Hold on to it tight. It is God. And that's the way He has spoken to us from the very beginning through the law. Do this and live. Over and over is what He said. Do this and live. This is what I want you to do. And it will be well with you that you do it. You want to live in the land of fat things? Go to God. God is a God that rewards His people. How much more could God do than send His only begotten Son that He might lay down His life to secure yours? Under Man under judgment is sentenced to death. The law was unto death for man because he couldn't keep it. But it's life unto man in that it causes man to judge himself. How would I have known these things had not it been for the law? It come to me. So the Lord has over and over and over preached to His people in many different ways with chastisement and with the Word. He kept on having to chastise Israel to bring them back into the paths of righteousness. But every time they would get fat, they'd turn away. But the Lord serves up a pleasant meal it's a, it's a feast instead of a famine. It's a feast of fat things. And the fat things that it's talking about here is the Word of God. Oh, hold on to the Word. And the law is the basis of all of it. Uh, one thing I've often thought uh if it had not been for the Lord's law, we wouldn't have had anything. It'd been total anarchy. This whole world would have come unraveled. But the Lord put a law, a fiery law, he said, that he gave Moses to give to the people. So it's essential that we follow the law, and it comes by the Word of God. The Lord has always sent 
a preacher. Throughout all ages, he sent a preacher to preach to the people about the righteousness of God. So once again, don't let them don't let them tell you laws done away with. A a man has tried his best to write a better law. Always. Now it does kind of keep some uh, civility in the nation to have some man-made laws, but God's law is so superior to that law. We need as Christian people to hold on to the law that God gave to the people. So we worship in Mount Zion. You know, too, that they were always, when they was going up to the temple, makes me think of that. They go and they said they was going up to the temple, always up to the temple, marching, singing a song on the way up to the temple. And then I think back at the altar once again. When it went up to the altar, it was up to the altar. There must be some reason for that. It's going up into the mount. Moses went up into the mount to receive the law. He didn't tell him at the foot of the mount. He'd come up to receive the law that you might read it. To the people. Then he challenged him to do one other thing. He said, read them the whole thing. Don't leave anything out. Read the whole thing to them. That it might do them good.